Let's, let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the day and uh, just the opportunity to uh, come together and just uh, use me, Father, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So has anyone seen any Christmas movies yet? Huh? Couple? Yeah? Good? Uh, I know several stations have been playing them for a while now, and uh, I've not seen any of the classics yet, though. I know some people uh, think it's just absolutely horrible to, uh, to like anything to do with Santa Claus, but I'll confess to you today, I like it. I always have. I think I always will. Um, I love anything to do with Christmas. Matter of fact, the uh, first Christmas movie I've watched this year was probably August. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of kicks off the season for me. Uh, I love watching the classics. Uh, I've got most of them. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. The classic animated movies like uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas, uh, Frosty, The Grinch That Stole Christmas, The Little Drummer Boy. But I've got to tell you, my all-time favorite is Rudolph. Rudolph is, is, is my favorite. I know almost every word by heart. I can sing every note of every song. Uh, you probably wouldn't want to be around me when I do, but I, I, uh, I love that show. Um, I even bought one my, my daughter's first Christmas. Uh, uh, I bought a life-size stuffed Rudolph doll. I told my wife it was for her, but it was for me. Um, now, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities in the, in the, in the show Rudolph, but... Uh, uh, I, I still love it. And if you know the story at all, uh, you know Rudolph uh, was born with this shiny red nose. Some would even say it glowed. And all the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. And wouldn't let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. And as you can imagine, this upset Rudolph, right? I mean, he's, uh, he didn't get to play in any, any reindeer games. And so, so what does Rudolph do? When faced with adversity, he runs away. Instead of dealing with his problems, he leaves. And you know, that's a pretty common theme among, among real people as well. When problems are, arise, we tend to leave. When our house has more things wrong with them than right, we leave. When our car uh, costs more to repair than it's worth, we, we leave it. And that's that's fine, right? That's good common sense. Uh, but it goes deeper than that. When our job becomes uh, too difficult or our co-workers become too annoying, uh, we leave. When the church doesn't do things the way we think they should be done, we leave. When we fall out of love with our spouse, like it's something that you can fall into or out of, we leave. When the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, as the old saying goes. And there are certainly times when we need to leave. Uh, but the pervasiveness in this, of this in our culture has turned us into a disposable generation. We will use something or do something until it no longer meets the purpose it once had. And we dispose of it. We trade it in. We uh, get a new model. We leave it. Everything has become disposable, even things that was never intended to be. We have become a society of runners, and not the kind of running that I do, but running away from our problems. We leave friends and family. 
Husbands and wives, children. We leave the hurting still hurting, the homeless and the hungry without things to eat or places to live. When things become too uncomfortable or unpleasant, or when we see greener grass on the other side, we're gone. And that's not the way it should be. Uh, That's not the example that God set before us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, uh, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Translated means God with us. God with us. Have you ever thought about those three words? God with us. You know, he had every right to leave, to abandon, to walk out on humanity numerous times throughout history. He created this perfect environment for us with one stipulation. Don't eat of the fruit of this tree. And what did we do? We ate of the fruit of that tree. But he stayed. We got to a point in human history where the wickedness of man was so great that every intent of the heart was evil all the time. And God was sorry that he made mankind. He purged the earth with a flood, but he stayed. His people abandoned him to worship an idol made with their own hands, a golden calf. But he stayed. Time after time over the centuries, we have left him for another worthless pursuit. But he stayed. And then the ultimate, his love for us was so great, and he was not going to allow us to die in our own sin or our own selfishness. So he came in the flesh. The creator of the universe came to dwell with his creation so he could take our sin and give us his righteousness, God with us. And he is still here. When his purpose on earth was fulfilled, the Holy Spirit came so that we would never be alone. He is with us. He was, is, and will always be with us. But I think during the Christmas season, sometimes we get caught up a little bit too much in the birth. We, uh, we, we, we envision this cute, cuddly uh, Jesus in this warm manger surrounded by all these gentle animals. It's a bucolic scene, one that warms our heart and is played out in nativity scenes all across the world. You probably have one set up in your house. We certainly do. But the reality is much different. The Christmas story tells us that God, the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God, loved you and I so much that he came to earth to die. The Christmas story was never intended to give us the warm fuzzies, but rather rather the harsh reality that our sin deserves punishment. And instead of us receiving the punishment, God, our creator, chose to come take it for us, to take the punishment we have earned and deserve. The Christmas story is about his gift of himself, the best gift ever. So what is the best Christmas gift you've ever received? I want you to think back just a little bit. What was the best Christmas gift you've ever received? Maybe it was an easy-bake oven. Well, that was mine, anyway. Uh, or a doll or a, 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 a pretty dress. 
Actually, mine was this little electronic gadget called Merlin. Anybody remember Merlin? I was the only one here that got a Merlin. I'm telling you, you missed out. Um, but whatever it was, it was something that you wanted, right? It was something that you'd hoped for, you wished for. You might even wrote Santa for it. And then on Christmas morning, you opened this gift, and there it was. It was this, uh, this unmistakable joy that you, that, that, uh, that you, when you opened this gift. Like, this is everything that you've always wanted. And that's something that all parents want for their kids, right? When you want to see that, that joy in their eyes when they open that special gift. So what is the best gift I can give my kids? What is, what is one of the greatest gifts a parent can give his child? And uh, my kids might not uh, totally agree with this, but I think it's time. I think it's my presence. Uh, it's what every child craves is uh, time with their parents. But it's not just actually being there. It's being active, being present, being involved. Uh, they want a parent who is concerned, who is interested in their lives. Now, I want you to do something for me. We're going to have a little exercise here. I want you to imagine that you have come to the end of your life, and you have just been welcomed into the presence of, of Jesus. And there's going to be a lot of wonderful things that will take place then. But one thing that, that Jesus is going to have you do, this is a, an exercise, not reality. It might be reality, I don't know. Uh, he, he's going to usher you into this uh, media room. And uh, you're going to sit down in this, this cushy chair with these pillows, and he's going to give you your favorite beverage, and you're going to be able to eat all the, the popcorn and the uh, candy that you can, that you can, your heart's desire, with no calories. And, uh, and you're going you're gonna to sit there in front of this, uh, this TV screen, and he's going to show you a picture, uh, a, a video of your life. And the video is a compilation of all the moments uh, that you were uh, fully present. All the moments in your life that you weren't numbed out or distracted uh, by technology, whether it be the TV, video games, uh, the internet, cell phones, or other distractions like work. All the moments that you were totally engaged with others or fully uh, fully attentive to God. Now, I want you to imagine this video playing in front of you. And I want you to ask yourself these questions. How long is your video? How many scenes will depict you relishing life to the fullest, not numb or distracted, but fully enjoying life, fully enjoying the people around you, or fully uh, enjoying the God that created you? The greatest present we can give others is our presence, to be in the moment, and that was God's gift to us. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. His, his greatest gift to us was his presence. Have you ever thought about the implications of that? That God is with us right here, right now. God is with you. He is present. He is active. He is involved. He is interested in you. What if you truly understood and embraced that idea that God is with you? What would change? 
we each have this God-sized hole in our heart. And uh, we try to fill it with many different things, but they all leave us empty or unsatisfied. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. And God is that perfect piece that fits in there. But it, we try to fit other things in there, but there's always a gap. There's always holes. God is the only one that will complete you or fulfill you. So practically, today, right now, what does all this mean to you and I? How does knowing that God is with me right now make a difference in my life? And what kind of difference does that make? First of all, I think uh, it should make a difference in how we love, particularly in the, in the how and the way that we forgive. Anybody remember the series, Little House on the Prairie? Seriously? Okay, thank you. This, this does take a little active participation here. Uh, you might remember the actress, Allison Armgrim. Allison Armgrim. She uh, played the, the part of Nellie Olson, my favorite one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, now, Nellie Olson, if you watch the series at all, Nellie Olson was this horrible creature that just uh, that antagonized uh, Laura Ingalls on, in every episode. And uh, Allison was the actor that played uh, Nellie Olson. And she was at a Los Angeles County Fairgrounds a few years ago signing autographs. And uh, um, it was a long day with a lot of other former child stars. And uh, she was in her line, and this, this lady had finally made her way up to the front. And Allison just kind of looked up and smiled and reached out to, to sign whatever it was that she had to sign. And the lady didn't have anything to sign. And uh, she, Allison kind of looked up at her, and, and she seen her ch- changing uh, colors from different red to purple. And she looked like she was trying to compose herself. And uh, uh, she just kind of stood there for a while. She was shaking, and uh, Allison was getting a little nervous, and she almost called the, uh, the security car to come over. But right before she did, this lady spurts out these three words, I forgive you. And just like that, she exhaled and turned away. And Allison said this thing happens actually quite often. Uh, she had never met this woman before or countless others with that same burden. But this, this lady had carried around this burden, this angry, seething grudge against a character on a TV show for 30 years. And finally, finally, it had become enough, and she decided to lay it down and walk away. Now, this sounds foolish, right, uh, that, that, uh, that you could do that, carry a grudge around to a, on, a, on a TV character for 30 years. But I think it shows us how difficult forgiveness can be. Saying forgiveness is hard is like saying God is just good. It is a massive understatement. But forgiveness is absolutely necessary. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15, If, if you forgive, your men, uh, forgive men uh, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This isn't a threat. This is reality. To be forgiven, we must forgive. Forgiveness is the ultimate act of love because one cannot love without it. They go hand in hand. And we see God's love for how he forgives us and forgives us and forgives us. He is patient and long-suffering. Praise God for his patience and long-suffering. 
As Kevin said a few weeks ago, his grace is greater than my disgrace. His love knows no boundaries. We can never do anything to make him love us more, nor can we do anything to make, us, make him love us less. One of the questions I've been asked uh, of my kids when they first started a, a relationship, their very first relationship, and, and uh, I've had two of them ask me this, Dad, how do you know it's true love? How do you know it's the real thing? This is the one. And I've responded to both of them uh, the same way, and it's been very simple. I said, if this is the one God has ordained for you, you're not going to mess it up. Uh, and if it's not, then nothing you can do will make it work. Uh, God is like that. Nothing I can do, nothing I can do uh, will mess it up. He loves me unconditionally, and he always will. And this example of love that God showed us should motivate us to love others like he loves us. When people wrong us, and they most certainly will wrong us, we must forgive. We must forgive and move on for their sake and for ours. And thankfully, we don't have to do this in our own strength. Which leads me to the second takeaway from knowing that God is with us. We can see his care for us. Not only did he uh, forgive us through his son, uh, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, our caregiver. When we are called to forgive someone who has hurt us deeply, we do not have to rely on our own strength. We need the power of God through his spirit to do the seemingly impossible there's a gentleman by the name of Chris Carrier of Coral Gables, Florida. Chris was abducted when he was 10 years old. His kidnapper, who was angry with his parents, kidnapped him, burned him with cigarettes, stabbed him with an ice pick number, a number of times, and then shot him in the head and left him to die in the Everglades. Remarkably, the boy survived, though he lost the sight of one eye, and no one was ever arrested. They never found the, uh, the person who did it. Twenty-two years later, a man confessed of the crime. Uh, a carrier, uh, who is now a youth minister, decided to go see him. Uh, he found David McAllister, a 77-year-old ex-convict, uh, in a nursing home in North Miami Beach, Florida, uh, frail and blind. Carrier began visiting him. He would go to him and read to McAllister, read from the Bible, and he would pray with him. And his ministry opened the door for McAllister to make a decision for Christ. And Carrier says, while many people can't understand how I could forgive David McAllister, from my point of view, how could I not? If I'd chosen to hate him all these years or spent my life looking for revenge, then I wouldn't be the man that I am today. The man my wife and children love, the man God has helped me to be. You notice he said the man God helped me, the man God helped me to be. That is what God does. Through his spirit, he guides, he directs, he motivates, he, he comforts. He's our advocate and our encourager. When we choose to follow the path God has set before us, his spirit comes along beside us, giving us exactly what we need. At the proper time, we face nothing alone. Did you hear that? We face nothing alone because God is with us. The third thing that we can take away uh, when we understand that God is with us is his plan for our lives. And this plan isn't complicated like some I've seen. 
Uh, you've heard the saying, uh, uh, failing to plan is like planning to fail. And I've seen everybody has plans, right? They have a 10-step plan for retirement or a five-step plan to find the perfect mate or, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of plans. God's plan is a lot simpler than that. Follow him, seek after him, and do everything for his glory. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we put God first in our lives, everything else falls into place. We've talked over the last few months uh, about having other gods in the place of the real God. And the main reason that we want to do that, to put God in his proper place, is simply because he, co- he commands it. But another great reason uh, that God must be first in our lives is because we function best that way. When he is first in our life, we are better at everything else that we do. Because he is doing the leading, not us. Wouldn't you rather follow someone who is all-knowing than someone who thinks he knows it all? We might think we know what we need, but God is the only one who knows what we need. His plan is perfect, although we might not see it at the time. Proverbs chapter 3, scripture that most everybody knows, is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. When we trust and seek after him, he will guide and direct our path because he is with us. Again, God is with us. So over the next three weeks, we are going to explore this phrase, God with us. We're going to take one word per Sunday, God with us. And I hope you will plan on uh, uh, being here. But for this week, I want you to do uh, three things for me. Number one, be present in your life and enjoy it. And be present in other people's lives. Don't be distracted by things that do not matter in the long run. Whether it's TV or your computer, your phone or work, today is a gift from God. Treat it as such. Number two, tell your friends and family how much you love them and how much they mean to you. If there are people in your life that needs your forgiveness, do it and do it now. You just don't know what tomorrow holds. And lastly, trust God with your life because I can tell you there is no one else that loves you like he does, that cares for you like he does, and that has the perfect plan for your life like he does. We are leavers at heart but God will never leave us. And I want to leave you with this final thought. If you get nothing else out of this morning, please hear this. Let's say that you and I were going on a safari to the wilds of Africa with all the dangers that that entails. But we have the best guide available. This guide has led hundreds of safaris to, to Africa. And every person who has gone on one of his safaris has come back and had the absolute best time. Wouldn't you have confidence in that guide and look forward to the trip and know that he would lead you on the most amazing trip ever? What if you and I were having a major health problem? 
let's say that uh, we had something wrong with our brain, just because that's what I know. Uh, and, and we were having these horrible headaches, and they'd been going on for a long time. And then we found a surgeon who could do an operation and alleviate the problem. Not only that, but this surgeon uh, was the best. He had performed this sur- surgery hundreds of times before, and every single time it was a success. We would look forward to that surgery, right? We would have confidence in that surgeon to fix the problem correctly. Now let's say that we have been called to live in this world and to face all the problems and difficulties it can throw at us. But we have the creator of the world with us every step of the way, the one that holds the world in his hands the one that has promised never to leave us or forsake us. Now answer me this question. What do you have to fear? What do you have to worry about? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Let's pray together. Father, I just... We cannot uh, even come close to understanding how much you love us. Uh, That your desire for us uh, to live a life uh, worthy of your calling. And help us, Father, today, in this moment, to just catch a glimpse of your incredible love for us. The love that uh, was shown uh, over and over and over throughout history but especially uh, when you came to earth to die for our sins. Father, just help us live a life worthy of that. And help, Father, throughout this Christmas season as we, uh, as we get busy, as we get distracted uh, by the things of this world, uh, that we can always come back to you to live a life uh, present engaged in the people around us and engaged in you. Father, you have shown us that great example. Help us to live that way. And I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen.